This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're back. The whole crew is back from a few days down in the West Country. It's actually quite nice down there, it has to be said. Um, not probably quite as nice as Yorkshire, but lots of beaches, lots of sand, lots of sort of kind of fresh air. Um, it's a bloody long way as well. So, uh, so we're back in town, actually, and we've taken a bit of a flip of the script we haven't gone west we've gone back into town like old school days of the podcast and we're actually at the Wellington pub in Waterloo a lot of people might know that directly opposite Waterloo station it's uh, very handy for uh, playing teams like Millwall um, and we'll be th- actually no we're not going to be going there next season but maybe when we play teams like Charlton um, and oh hold on a minute we're not going to be playing them actually next season it's, uh, it's very handy if you're going home from work and going back on the line from Waterloo back to West London. Anyway, I'm feeling actually very relaxed. You could tell I'm very relaxed because I've just been sort of hippied out for the last couple of days. I'll probably talk about that in a bit in the, the West Country. I'm Billy Grant and I'm in the pub having a nice couple of pints again. It's back in the old West London Owls. I'm with myself and also I'm with Mr Matt Allard who is uh, probably not quite as relaxed as myself. How are you, Matt? I'm I'm quite relaxed. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm still pretty chilled. I'm not too you know not too um not not too concerned at the moment. I haven't hit the panic button myself yet. Um, um a new venue for us, uh, Waterloo. Um, it's a, do you know what? I probably wouldn't have come for a beer in Waterloo ten years ago, or whatever. But it's um it's actually it's actually improved a little bit around here. There's a there's a few places you can stroll out of the station to and feel relatively safe in nowadays. Um, so yeah. indeed, it is. It is as well. And uh, as, as we were saying, so it's quite it's quite lively in here as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's quite a few people around and a few after after work after work drinkers. Not don't seem too eager to get home. I watch you the rugby, which is your favourite sport. Well, yeah, they have. Yeah, um, they have probably have been watching the rugby. The, the rugby sevens in the Olympics has been been fantastic, hasn't it? He says through gritted teeth. <laughs> so listen. Also, I've got the um, the liberal Nick, 
who has liberated himself on the podcast this time, and he's actually not really been on a, a proper podcast as yet. This is the first podcast that we decided to let him on. The Liberal Nick, how are you? I'm all right, and thank you very much for having me back on. I'm grateful to have come out of the doghouse. Obviously, I said something wrong, or libelous, or slanderous, you know. So it's good to be back, Billy. You know, thank you for inviting me. As well, I mean, welcome, and obviously the Liberal, you've... Um, I mean, you've not been around for quite a while, and I think people might not know what you've actually been up to. Uh, I've been up to um, trying to refine my views. I've been studying the... Uh, I've also been studying my map, so I now know that there is no longer an East and West Germany. Um, I now know that there are uh, 172 nations that are entered in the Olympics, and I now know why Lasse Vibe is so keen to play in the game, but we'll discuss that later. You, you could probably talk to us about that later when we're talking about the recruitment and players. I've got the man, Mr Laney, Dave Lane, who's back from driving about 140 miles or 140 hours there and back from Exeter the other day. And uh, are you feeling now refreshed after getting a bit of kip today? I had a, I had a good time, actually. Um, I, I thought the, the drive down to Exeter was lovely. Went, back, went down via Dorchester and along the Dorset coast and up over past Lyme Regis. It was there, yeah, very picturesque. And although extra time didn't do my mojo, much good but we went, we come back through along the um, A303 and we come part, back past Stonehenge and we all got naked for a bit and uh, it was good Excellent. The Druids and you were dancing around in Stonehenge well, at midnight. Well, I had the Liberal in the car, so he, he, he insisted. Of course. Of while, eating magnums. while eating magnums as well. Oh, of course, of course. And me as well. I, I actually wasn't going to go to, this is one of the early in the season, I said to you I wasn't going to go to Exeter. I think you were probably quite surprised when I actually turned up there. Uh, it's funny because I said to my wife, I said to her, I thought early brandy points, I'm not going to go to Exeter because I'm going to stay at home. And she went, oh, Exeter, Uncle Mike. I haven't been there since I went to Uncle Mike. So I went, oh, Uncle Mike. Quick phone call goes into Uncle Mike. Train tickets bought about an hour later, and I was on the train down to Uncle Mike, who lives in Totnes. So I've hippied myself right out, and I'll be spending the last couple of days. Brought the kids with me, so I've got the brandy points anyway. Down in Totnes for a couple of days, went up to Exeter, back down to Totnes, hung out on the beach and everything like that. Very, very nice down there. I think I might even go back down there towards the end of the month. I was going to go there away for the last week of the season, but unfortunately, you know, take the kids with me for the second round of the Cup. But unfortunately, that has been cancelled in my diary. I've got a big X on that Tuesday. How is Uncle Mike? Uncle Mike is absolutely, well, he's pretty relaxed, actually, to be got his view. As you can imagine, coming from Totnes, everyone seems relaxed there. Does he, um, does he smoke? <laughs> does he smoke what? Just smoke. Oh, yeah. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Really, doesn't really smoke. You know, he <laughs> doesn't really smoke much. You know? I mean, what are you talking about? He's got smoke coming out of his chimney in the winter. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's right. Anyway, we shall move on. <laughs> anyway, in the show. We are going to be, what are we going to be talking about? Of course, we're going to be recapping on the last two matches, or the first two matches that we played. That was the Huddersfield game and the Exeter Cup game. We're also going to be talking about the League Cup, and does it really matter to people? Does it matter to teams? Does it matter to the manager? And does it, does it matter to the fans? And does it need a reformat? Um, now the season's on, we're also going to start talking about, again, we're going to come back talking about players. We've seen the players, we know what's out there, we know what's missing, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. We're going to be talking about recruitment first team players and lots of other bits and pieces with that as well we've also got our little feature coming as well hang the bj we've got another ex-brentford player actually a first ex-brentford player going to be doing hang the bj this time so keep tuned for that feature what tune reminds him of brentford fc 
If anyone was at Huddersfield or Exeter or been looking on Twitter on social media, you'll see all about wanky free kicks. Brentford had a wanky free kick section in both those games. We're going to be talking about wanky free kicks and also anything that wanky that one of us lot have done, maybe in our life, we may have to confess. We're playing Ipswich on Saturday. We're going to be talking about Ipswich. We're going to get our man Harry from Bath. Not from Ipswich, but he's from Bath. Talking about Ipswich and we're going to discuss that. So we've got lots of things to talk about. But before we start chatting, we're going to see what the people, the Beast fans and other fans had to say in the pub and in the streets and in the terraces after the games at Huddersfield and Exeter about Brentford getting nil point the last couple of games. It did look very pre-season. Um, Egan was a little bit hoofy. Um, Elder sort of out of position at times. Josh Clark sort of out of position at times. The midfield generally a little bit weak. Um, Romain saw is looking a little bit, maybe not quite lazy. It's the sort of thing it'll take a few games and we might look a lot better. Like the width that we were playing today, I mean, it was really narrow at times. And if we did get down the wings, it was very isolated out in the corners. Nobody was really getting in. Obviously, we're not that team that are going to cross the ball in and look for the big man in the centre, but they've really got to start to think about if they are going wide, what is then the next step to get us the goal? Uh, it's nothing that's new to me. Uh, we spent two months last season knowing that working out the, that Woods and McCracken shouldn't start together. We spent some of this pre-season working out that Woods and McCracken um, shouldn't start together. And then for some reason we decided to start Woods and um, McCracken together. And I don't really understand why. I know there are some fitness issues and you know McCormack and Yanaris are coming back from injury. but. I just think it was pretty short-sighted, really. Um, there was a, I, I personally felt there was quite a difference when Yunaris came on. I know that we got a goal back and then they scored another goal, um, you know, so we still lost. But I just think we, um, I think we sort of, you know, threw away the, 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 the opportunity to start the season with a bang, really. Um, and I'm just a little bit confused as to why that happened. I think the, the, the wide man, the Canos um, kind of position, was was lacking today it was the one that drew two men to him um, where it allowed space in the middle for for people to thread balls through to Hogan um, every every one man was able to mark another one man there was it was no one that was dangerous enough to, to need two or three men on them but we looked our downfall last season where we're at the back and we just look a lot more solid at back today um, which like Obviously, when you played us last season, shipped four last game of the season, shipped nine goals in the last two games. Um, we were dire at back. Um, at times, it was like, you score four, we're going to have to score five. But he's brought a lot more youth and exuberance into the back, and we're just, we're just so solid at the back. It just, that, that's going to be the key thing for us this season. Second half was pretty shit. First half weren't too bad. Yeah. It was okay. I thought, well, first half, I thought, first game away, they're excited, they're at home and all that shit. We took it up a little bit. Took, took the, well, we had little, little chances, though, and it was half decent. I thought, I thought in the first half, there, that two, three-minute spell where we really ripped them apart football-wise, but then there was no end product. Second half, I thought, as soon as they scored, maybe. That was that. As soon as they scored a bit, I think, I think, a couple of our players might have gone missing a bit. 
We haven't got young wingers without any fear like we did last year. That's what we need. We need players without any fear who want to attack, get a ball, run up players, players create something, get the other players up for it. At the moment, we're just a steady, steady team. You know, we're pretty, pretty, fairly solid, quite steady, but we haven't got, we haven't got our cutting edge like we say. Uh, oddly, I'd say the younger players have probably been our better players overall. I think Tom Fields done all right left back. Jan Holdak's had a decent game. Uh, Josh Clark, okay. But too many of the players, um, it's more like a training session. Um, for me, the biggest disappointment has got to be Hoff. Uh, I think this was a game made for him, really. Um, if he can't do it tonight, I don't think he's going to do it. New chap we signed from Denmark looks quite good. Um, but I think the person who deserves most credit is the 15-year-old who's been playing for Exeter at centre-back, who's been magnificent. Do you know, to put out a sort of inverted comma, slightly weakened side, do you think that's a bit of a piss take? Well, yeah, I mean, could possibly. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I've actually moved to, uh, to Cornwall, so I ain't got too far to go, to be honest with you, Bill. But so, it's yeah. all your, so it's all your fault, then? Well, it's all my fault, yeah. <laughs> so uh, at, at the end of the day, um, yeah, there is people that travel from London and uh, sort of around the... Uh, the counties outside London and yeah it's, it's, it's a long way to come on a Tuesday night it's expensive although they've only charged attendance to get in and yeah you feel a little bit cheated maybe mm. I think that Hoffman is probably a decent player but he's playing not in the position that I think supports the, the way that we want to play he's not really a, a, a centre forward um, pleased with the youngsters I thought we played well in the second half I wouldn't say that we didn't take it seriously. I think we have taken it relatively seriously. We've just not been good enough. Well, I was quite, I'm quite pleased with Josh Clark. I think he's uh, looked good going forward, got some decent crosses um, in. I think Holdak's played well. I think young Tom Fields played well. Um, I think overall, um, it's just that we've not had the cutting edge. The, the result is, is terrible. Um, the, the performance by some of the fringe players wasn't bad. I think we've learned a bit more about the, you know, some of the youngsters. But you know, um, it's, it's not it's not anything that we we hope from tonight. We we, we expected we would, we expected a victory at the very least. Um, extra time is not great. Yeah, it's just another pre-season for us. It's absolutely embarrassing. Can't say any words. The only That's the final whistle, by the way. Game's over. Exeter fans are excited. They've, well, they've won the game. It's all over the beach. Yeah, I think the only plus side he has is that some players have had 90 minutes plus out there, which Dean Smith was said in the week, you know, they haven't got it in them. So no excuses for Saturday now. 2-1 down at Huddersfield. 1-0 down at Exeter with a sub-strength Brentford side. The fans weren't particularly happy with what they saw on the pitch on either side. But the one thing I did notice as well, but the fans, they weren't angry. There wasn't this angst and this anger. People were pretty level-headed and pretty calm beginning of the season. And I thought that's still a bit positive, you know, which is quite cool. But it's not great. The start of the season was worse than last season, in effect. Um, and wasn't great. But what I'm going to ask you guys, mate, you know, First of all, predictions. We didn't do the Exeter predictions because we forgot about that much. But Huddersfield predictions, we were probably off kilter, weren't we, Laney? Yeah, I, I think we all. I think we all um, thought they were going to win. To be honest, I, don't, I think one person said they were going to draw. Um, the, re the rest, well, it was the Allard said they were going to draw. So the Allard, you were the closest. Well, I'm, I'm claiming victory because for two minutes my score was was happening. The, the one, the one, one I put out there, which is closer than anybody else got. That's right. I think I said two 0 and you said I said three one. I think three one. So I think that. Oh, the liberal. In the in the privacy of my own car, I said two one Huddersfield. I don't think that counts. That counts. So if we're going to have a point system here, I think the Allard may take one point. Do you think? No, I don't agree at all. Yeah, we'll try and work out how this works later, you know. But anyway, we'll move on. These two games. So listen, guys. Um, 
Two games, two losses. Two different teams were played. Um, Exeter, the, the result was terrible. Huddersfield, it wasn't, probably the result wasn't that terrible looking at what Huddersfield put out there. But the question I'm going to ask you, because we can go on and on and on and talk about the match. What's more important? Did us as fans learn anything? Because we came out of close season and we didn't really know anything because we, we hadn't seen the team play really. Did we learn anything from those two games, Laney? Um, I think we did. I think we learned what we already knew going into those games. I think we we knew that we were potentially weak in wide areas. Um, we knew that there was um, a, a dimension missing to our play, and that's exactly what we found in both of those games. I think the people that went to the matches, and this is not knocking those that didn't go, but the ones that were there, they weren't as irate as the ones that were on Twitter afterwards that obviously didn't go. Um, uh, at Huddersfield, we just weren't we weren't good enough coming forward. We didn't didn't look that dodgy at the back. Um, I thought I thought um, I thought Bentley had a, had a good debut. I thought the defence was pretty solid. Um, you expect Huddersfield to worry worry us. You know they had a lot of debuts. They're at home in the first game of the season. Of course they're going to come at you. You know we expect to be attacked. I don't think I don't I don't think we were we, we were anything to be necessarily worried about. We we need we need a couple of wide signings. That more more of that later on. At Exeter, the 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 team that they put out was weakened, but it wasn't a weak team necessarily. It just again wasn't good enough in in coming forward. So I don't think even playing a full strength team necessarily we would have been any more effective coming forward in wide areas. So it allowed us to give 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 a few of the fringe players a go, and a lot of those players had a had a pretty good game to be honest with you. Um. What did we learn? What did we learn? Um, I, I don't think I've learned anything that I didn't already know. And I think on the, um, the after-game Huddersfield podcast, I touched on that, which is the, um, the McCracken-Woods um, midfield axis, um, which isn't an axis. It's just, you know, it just doesn't work, basically. Um, so have I learned anything? No, I think I, think I know most of this. Um, I'm just wondering what the next steps are. Yeah, I, I agree with Matt. I mean, all, all I learned is, is what what we were missing uh, or are missing. Uh, the, there's nothing else that, that that stood out from those two games. The Huddersfield game particularly was disappointing because uh, the tempo wasn't fast enough either. Because the one thing that you normally would expect at the beginning of the season is us to come out the traps and start playing pretty pretty quickly. But there seemed to be no 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 fast pace. But that's because we lack any people with pace. It's interesting when you say, what do, you, what do we learn from those two games? And coming back to what Dave said, and again, it was not, not knocking the people that weren't there, but there actually was a really good vibe in the two games um, amongst the fans. People weren't whinging, people weren't moaning, and I do really like, actually, that at Brentford, because that was, you talk about balance. At the end of the day, yes, of course, you can you can complain about your team and you can feel about your team, but there still seem to sort of like a togetherness of the fans and a sort of acceptance and a knowledge of knowing exactly where we are at, but still not going out there and whinging and bitching and moaning and stuff. The things that I thought that we learnt from those games, which I thought is actually quite interesting for me because for me, I've always wanted to give you know the guys their, their, their time. Last season, to be, we had a, there was a lot of problems, as we know, but I think that you know going into close season, Spiffy and the team and everything like that, doing their close season thing and coming out here, this is their real moment. This is like, this is day one for them. Day one wasn't last November or December. Day one was starting now, so this is the time where people have to shine. And for me, one thing I learned, for example, is I think Hoffman, 
I, I've been giving them the benefit of doubt from time, but I'm thinking, listen, if you can't even beat a 15-year-old down at Exeter off, man, you know, you, things things aren't right now. I know somebody said that he felt that Hoffman didn't get the right service and we're not playing the right type of game for him. Maybe that's fine, but then we shouldn't pick up a player if we're not going to pick a player and play him in the, in the style that he can knock in goals if he's a striker. So that's one of the, the main things that I, that, that I learned. The other things that I learned is that the, some of the fringe players were actually better than I thought they may be. In the pre-season, they were kind of warming themselves up, and I'm thinking actually they may actually show their faces in the sign, which I think is a bit of a positive. So those are two main things that I learned from, uh, from, 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 from this trip, Laney. Um, the other thing I learned that there was slightly subdued support. The support of both games, I thought, was particularly good. Um, I thought the, the the atmosphere was 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 subdued. I think people were watching, just watching the game and digesting what was going on. No one was getting on the backs of the players, which I thought was was excellent. Um, interesting to me as well was the players and the manager after both the games have been really quite critical as well. That you know after Exeter in particular, Harley Dean came out and said that the you know the performance wasn't acceptable, um, but it wasn't it wasn't horrendous. And, I, and I'm and I'm kind of wondering whether we're we're, we're sort of edging back into this fragmented support situation already a bit too early where people are taking kind of entrenched positions where they're they're looking for all, all the negatives so I think it's very early and I think we, 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 we do need a couple of players you know um, and, and I'm hoping that what Dean Smith said today which we'll go on to later on is, is gonna is gonna kind of like prove that we've, we've got a couple of new faces and I'm next gonna say well one thing I'll say I'm just gonna agree with Dave that the, the performances I know we had a bit of a laugh saying things like please anybody score at Exeter don't mind if it's Exeter or Brentford we just get the game over with um, we saw a lot worse last season yeah, I agree. I mean, there was a lot of good gallows humour on the terraces, both at Huddersfield after the game and uh, at Exeter as we stood there freezing as, it, as the bewitching hour approached. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people made the mistake of turning up in jeans and, uh, sorry, in um, t-shirt and shorts. Like me, you mean? Yeah, well, like you. But they and they were quickly regretting that at uh, ten o'clock at night as they announced thirty minutes of extra time with the possibility of penalties. I think if there had been a Primark behind the away goal, everybody would have been running off there to stock up on cheap sweaters um, but the other thing I wanted to say uh, you mentioned you touched on it Billy about Harley Dean's comments and other players comments about it not being a satisfactory performance I, I just wonder whether actually that is counterproductive um, to people who weren't at the game they see this and say it was you know and players coming out and apologizing don't apologize for the performance think about what it think about to yourself what it was that didn't go right and commit to in seven days time or in the extra game four days time making it better it slightly worries me is that players think that it's acceptable to come on social media and apologize because then the performances never seem to improve damned if you do damned if you don't i'd rather i'd rather there's an honest reaction than just them you know just bottling it up to be honest okay so i mean listen again we, we, we try and keep a balanced side of things here as well listen we'll come out and say the team was wrong and they haven't done the right things but also at the same time I think, I think for people it's easy for you to just go out now now that's not good also solutions so were there any positives during this exit of the trip because the fact is that if we're going to move forward you've got to look at the positives and say right this is what Dean Smith's going to be doing the positives were this and this and this and it's going to make this right in three or four weeks time Matt um, positives um we got, I mean, players got game time. They don't, you know, they, they wouldn't necessarily get otherwise. 
um, we always say that is that is that a positive or is that a negative? I mean, well, we're going to talk about the league, the league cup, and and attitudes towards the league cup shortly. Um, for me, it's it's really two. You know, it's, it's, we're two games into the season. Um, so I'm not going to, I was just about to say, I'm not going to hit the panic button. It sounds like someone already has. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going pick, pick to hit the panic button yet. I'm, 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 I'm all for about, you know, let, let's, just, let's just look at it over the next couple of weeks and see, and see exactly where we are. Uh, positive for me was Field. I thought he was excellent on Tuesday night. I was pleased to see him put in a full full game, and I think there's real potential in Tom Field. I mean, I knew we knew it there, um, but but the one thing, I, and you touched on it very briefly. I want to touch on it again. That 15-year-old kid who played for Exeter. I really predict some some a future for him. I mean, uh, uh, hopefully he'll stay at Exeter and won't get snapped up by a Premiership club because um, you know. Learn, develop his trade. He got he got absolutely clattered by I can't remember which one of our players. I think it was Harley Dean, but it might have been Hoffman. Clattered him in the um, in the extra time, and uh, you know he got up, continued playing. He was really impressive. It's a name to watch for the future. Yeah, I, I, I thought that Empadu was the man of the match. He, he had Hoffman in his pocket. Um, you, I think you described it, Billy, as he, he owned him for the for the for the. For the time he was on the pitch it was true the, the other the other positives for me was it was nice to see it was nice to see um um shabu c- come on in extra time so who is, who is shabu so he was a, he was a guy that we signed from i won't even pronounce where we signed him from from a, a danish club on a monday um he, he was signed for the b team apparently um but he was he was named as sub and he, he got his opportunity um in extra time he came on whether he was running around like a headless chicken i'm i'm not sure but he 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 looked like he was really up for it and um there's there's some scope there whether he's just a b-team prospect or whether we'll see him again in the a-team i don't know he's also you know ledesma we is another name that's been mentioned he's an extended loanee he got he got 90 minutes plus so he again maybe maybe not the answer but he didn't he didn't sort of like he didn't Look awful. We didn't look necessarily out of place. Um, not the answer, maybe, but you know we'll see. We 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 need we need people to fill those wide positions. So um, I, I, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a nightmare. It was it was it was it was a pretty shitty result. We, there's no re, no way that we should be losing to Exeter City in 90 minutes, let alone extra time. They shouldn't have taken us to extra time. We should have had enough about us to, to finish the game off in 90 minutes. We should have been up, been up at half time and we should have finished the game off in the second half. Um, we are weak. We are weak up front. Um, the rest of the team, there's, there's scope there, I think. I mean, there's scope. I mean, for me, the positives, as quickly, just talking about the Huddersfield trip, it was good to see when Nico came on how he flipped the game up and now we see how important he is to the team because you could just see when he came on, Saunders as well when he came on, but when them two came on, it was just like, and we could have actually got back into the game then. We were probably a little bit unlucky to uh, to have, have let that goal in. It was a bit of a fluffer letting that goal in, but Nico is the man and I think that maybe when he gets back and he gets actually fully fit and with other players in the side, because the problem with our team, I think, is that when players are in, 
out, you really notice them. It's like we haven't got the strength and depth, really. So all of a sudden, you've got two or three players out, and it kills us badly. So that's the one thing, I think, from that trip. Also, the food and... We talked about it loads. The food and beer festival in Usterville. That was just brilliant. That was a massive positive from this trip. And even if we lost, the fact is that all the Brentford fans went away and said, oh, it's brilliant, wasn't it? So the people that weren't there, like I keep saying to you, left field matches, those are the ones to go to. Forget about this Fulham and all that lot. It's great, but go left field. Go to all these places you would never think about. And from Exeter, we've already talked about... Um, um, uh, was it Ampadu uh, um, who, who is brilliant and it makes you think it's interesting because funny because we were really excited about Ampadu he didn't even play for us he's a, he's a, he's a youth team player and I'm thinking what we need and we, we actually realise now what we need is when you have a youth team player or a player coming through for you that you get that level of excitement because it can happen you know what I'm saying so all of a sudden it's like bang everyone's going this player is the one and I'm not having to go at our players they're all cool but you know you know when there's a player who is happening you, you really do feel it like you know not being a killjoy but it goes back to what we were saying last year you can do that in League 2 you can't do that in the Championship Hill you can't well, you, you can, but you just, it's just taking a risk because, you know, would, would, would Empadu, if he was in our... If Empadu if, if, if if was in our academy or whatever you want to call it, or this, that, the other, would he have played in that match today? Uh, well, I doubt it. Um, we, you know, we, we, he only played because it was a summer holidays. It's, it's a great story. It's school. Yeah, it's a great story. And, you know, it, it was an exceptional positive from that game. You know, they're, they're, we had players that played against Oxford last year, and it, it, it just didn't happen. They were just thrown in the deep end. That, that was that was the other positive for me, was that while we mixed it up, it looked like a more structured, a B B plus A minus team, whatever you want to call it. Um, last year they looked like a team of strangers. This year it, they actually look like a team of promising youngsters. I think I think. <coughs> What he can get away with, I'm not obviously not that familiar with the Exeter team, but I'm assuming that they had a number of first-team regulars. Is that you can get away with slotting one or two in, and and because they're playing with a with a team of, of regular players, um, that will really help them because they can be guided by them, um, and um, and and, and that's definitely going to help them on these on these sort of these debuts or early games in their professional career. Um, obviously, what we did last year against Oxford is we just literally threw everybody in there, and um, and there wasn't really anyone to guide. Then probably, the, I mean, the most we know this story. The most experienced player gets stretched off after, you know, 20 minutes, all of that sort of stuff. Um, so, so, so it's about getting the balance when you when you blood youngsters as well. You, it, doing it all doing it all in one go is 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 a very risky. But if you can pick one or two and slot them into you know into positions alongside more experienced players, um, that's the, that's the way forwards with that. That's the way forward. So look, we're talking about the Exeter game, the Cup game. Now this is this Cup game, right? It's not. It doesn't seem it's worked out for anyone. The cups just seems to be so more and more and more kind of like thumbs down to the league cup. Let's just kind of get it out of the way and move forward. Now, it's a nightmare because we've got to play this cup anyway, and fans like to travel, and we all just get disappointed. So I'm just wondering, going around the table here, are there any solutions for the league cup? Because at the moment now, the way it's working at the moment now is like it doesn't really seem working. Because what you do is you try and beat a team to hope that you might get to play Man United's third team in the next round, which is not that exciting. When you beat them, you go, oh, we beat Man United, but really it's their B, it's their B or their C team. So, I mean, what are the solutions for the League Cup? Do we just carry on as we're doing now, or, or is there a way forward for this? It definitely it needs a rethink. Um, I'm going to throw a question quickly back at you. Is Do you want to have... Um, is a League Cup run, is it about playing 
Man, the Man United second or third team in, or is it about having a run that gets you tantalisingly close to Wembley? What are you, what, what ultimately are you looking for out of this? Well, it could be one or the other. You know, what I'm saying is that if you keep on playing Exeter and all these other teams, yes, you can get there to the cup final. But unfortunately, if you put out your third team, that's going to you're going to struggle to do that. The solution I've kind of considered doesn't include Man United, I'm afraid, and it's basically to. You know, I've kind of thought, you know, the, Johns, the Johnson Paints Trophy, whatever that's called now, yes. um, is to um, is to expand that, get the championship teams involved in that, um, Premier League teams, not interested anyway, and have an expanded um, cup that is basically it gives you a Wembley final. And it is the League Cup because it is the teams in the league, the, the, the non-Premier League teams. That's kind, that's kind of my vague thought on it and I've got another couple of ideas as well but let's let someone else go yeah I mean, I would actually have it the league covers everything bar, bar the premiership teams in it so which is what Matt, Matt has said yeah um, so forget them they, they can go off and play in a league of their own and make millions and millions and millions of pounds of worth of money by selling their TV rights to China um, so people can watch you, Stoke. But, but what I'm going to say and sorry to interrupt you is that I'm sure the Football League or the EPL or whatever the hell they call themselves nowadays won't agree to that. And the reason why is that Man United, even if it's the third, even if it's the third team, they won't will not want them in the league because TV money is big and the sponsors will turn around and say, "I want Man United. I don't want the biggest team to be Derby County." Well, I mean, in that case, in that case, will you take it seriously as a club? I mean, I am actually a bit, bit disappointed that and, and, and we did we did take it reasonably seriously because we played, as Dave said, I would call it an A minus team rather than the B plus team that we played on Tuesday night. But I want to see us winning L, or at least making a good fist of a cup. And I tell you what, I'll be really looking to what the team that Dean Smith turns out in the third round in January. Um, never mind where we are in the what position we are in the league. On, on January the 3rd or whenever the, the FA Cup third round is in 2017 I want us to make us put out our strong team and see how well we can do in the Cup we are a mid-table championship club we ought to be aiming for good Cup runs and so if we've jacked off the uh, EFL League Cup or whatever it's now called we should at least be going for the FA Cup um the League Cup, let's just call it the League Cup. It, 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 it's, fact is, it's had its day. Um, you, can re, you can rebrand it, you can restructure it. Basically, it's just a B, B team cup now. Um, all, the, all, the football, all the football league clubs are, are resting players and chain, you know, playing their rookies. The Premier League clubs are playing second, third, fourth string teams. Um, drawing Liverpool in the League Cup when we did in 82, 83 was special. We had 17, 18,000 officially. There was 20 plus thousand at Griffin Park that night. We got turned over 4-1. We, we brought it back to one all. Gary, um, Gary Roberts scored. Great, great nights. Those, those days are gone. You know, the, the de demographic of people that are looking back to the great League Cup runs and the League Cup victories, it, 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 it's had its day. You know, Arsenal have played a second string team for the last decade. They had a, they, they, that was the that was the team that they gave their gave their rookies a chance in, and he stuck to that. So is it, this is the, the, the demise of the football league cup has, has been going on and on and on. Um, and I think you know there was there's some people calling for Brentford's chairman to resign over over the fact that we fielded some some fringe players on on Tuesday. You know Tuesday Brentford should have won. 
don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not accepting second best, but the, the players that, that were named in the starting eleven, it wasn't a week, it wasn't a, it wasn't an Oxford like lineup. So you can't compare the two. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't think that those people that were screaming about a weakened team would have turned up for the whole home game anyway. My whole question, and I say quite so, but it's interesting because when we were chatting, very calm on the terraces, and everyone like I said to you, everyone was like having a bit of a joke and a bit of a laugh, and they're saying, "Hmm, this is still like a bit of a like a pre-season friendly. It's like pre-season hasn't finished." So the question we're going to ask, and I'm sure some of you also say it as well, is that if pre-season hasn't really finished yet. Why don't we just turn this cup into pre-season? So instead of playing that rubbish Millwall... I mean, sorry, OK, Tony Gray forgot it was your testimonial, but the Millwall game wasn't very good as far as we're concerned. Why can't that be our pre-season? That'll be the League Cup instead, and you can feel whoever you want because you're going to do it anyway. And I, Yeah, you're right, but I need some input here. Wasn't there something similar where we played Wimbledon one year? Was it the football, so, football league something? It was, there was a friendly that we used to play, and it it was a pre it was a precursor to the freight rover but there was a kind of like a, a really small cup that can't, can't, can't remember that one can't remember um, yeah no I can't give you the answer I'm sure I'm sure someone South, could the South West London Cup yeah that was ages ago yeah so but I I certainly think there's no reason not to play the first round of it on the Saturday before the league the league itself starts and that actually if anything might ensure teams putting out their first team because it gives them half a chance to um, you know I mean I think it would give them half a chance to complete their pre-season preparations by putting the first team out that's the thought I would have and then play the second round during the first international break because essentially teams aren't going to pick the interna- any international players they've got they're not going to pick anyway so play that on the you know give people a football Saturday maybe somebody want a f- football free Saturday but there you go give it have a football Saturday in the second round no, that, so that, no, that then turns it into a Mickey Mouse tournament you are, it's either a proper it's not a Mickey Mouse tournament already no, 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 it's either a pro- well my point is it's either a proper tournament or it's not I think that there are clubs and I'm you know and ours have it has in the past disrespected it it didn't disrespect it on on Tuesday nights but there are other clubs around the league who disrespect the tournament and you know if if the if the Football League is serious about wanting their competition to remain a sort of must watch and the, the prospect of a Wembley final and to take the money off TV for it they ought to be saying to the clubs you will not field weakened teams in it and if and they're going to have to accept that some of the uh, cha- uh, the premiership teams are in Europe are, are teams that maybe maybe you can't have the top six in Europe. So, look, lots of debate here. What's going to happen to the Cup, we don't know. We're out of the Cup anyway, so don't we care. We can think about it again next year, but look, what's more important, we've actually seen the team play two games, so we know a lot more about the team. So we can talk about recruitment and first-team players and what we think about them. So we are going to talk about them right after this little twang. We've got the first two games played. I said Brentford lost the first two games, but what's more important is that the fans have actually been able to see the players in action to get a little bit more of a feeling of what our team is about, what we've got, what we haven't got, what we need, what we haven't need, the way they're playing, where they're not playing. And very interesting as well, today, Dean Smith, he hasn't got his own Twitter, but he tweeted through the club, so it's got to be true, where he hinted, I'm going to see the directors of football today, they might have a nice little surprise for me. 
Now, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to think that, oh, that's all about. But obviously, he's thinking that, you know, there may be some players on board. Interesting, he's throwing it over to the DOFs as well, saying, listen, DOFs, you need to be bringing me something. He's already put his tuppence in. He's brought in your Sawyers, and he's talked about Egan. He's brought in, you know... You left back, you know, and he, he's, 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 he's thrown in sort of quite a few things into the pot, but he still needs more for what he can. Now, I wrote an article after the Huddersfield game. If you check it out, it's on besotted.co.uk. Also, the link will be within this podcast. I'll put the article there, which caused a bit of controversy because what we did is that we just flagged up saying Brentford are coming to this season, and to be quite honest with you, they haven't made the start that they wanted to, and is there an issue? Is there a problem? Can we not get the right players in? Have we got a... Is there a glass ceiling? Um, what, 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 what issues do the directors of football have in getting the players in that Brentford need to take us to the next level? Are we at the stage where we're actually kind of, you know... We, we've done so well that we're a victim of our own success. Just throwing a load of questions into the pot there, not pointing the finger at anybody as such, but we're sitting down there and just thinking, this, this is an issue. Let's put it out there and, and let's discuss it. I mean, there's a number of points that I put out there, you know, and it all came from Dean Smith's interview as well that he did post-match. He said things like, we didn't deserve to win. Huddersfield, they were bright and created more chances than us. We lost it sloppily, you know. He mentioned also the fact that we had players coming out of long-term injuries who couldn't play for 90 minutes, so he's given the excuse there. We've looked back at that and say, is that right or wrong? He emphasised, he said it a lot, we're looking for pace, we need wide players. Sawyers and McLeod, they're playing out there, but that's not their game. So they're playing the positions that they shouldn't be playing in. Is that right? You know? And then what else was there? He goes, but he said there's a fantastic spirit in the team, which, you know, which I think is a good, you know, it's a great thing. So what we're going to do is going to go around the table there. We're just going to talk about this situation because I think it's really important. We're out here and we've also got a situation which I think it all stemmed from the fact that at the fans forum, both Dean Swift and Phil Giles said, we're going to finish top six this season. I don't see any reason why we can't be top six. Now, if we're going to be top six, we need to have the tools in place. We need to be sorted to be in top six. My argument is I'm saying that if they're also saying we're not quite as fit as Huddersfield or we're still missing a couple of players, which I know it's difficult to get players in, what are the problems that we have had for that not to have happened so that we're actually kind of starting ourselves on the back foot because we should be starting on the front foot Matt um, okay where are we then um, it's it's a real it I just kind of think we know where we are we've got a collection of players um, but trying to solve the jigsaw is proving quite difficult and I think the reason it's proving difficult is because We've got a number of players that play in the same position that we're trying to squeeze into the same team. Uh, you know, you could maybe say something similar to the England team, but if you if you think about, you know, I'm going to say we play this 4-2-3-1 thing. So middle middle of the three behind Hogan, yeah, that position. Arguably, Kirschbaum's best position, Sawyer's best position, McLeod's best position, and the position Judge wanted to play in last season. So I know we can take Judge out because he's injured. So that so we've got players queuing up to play there now. All of those players, you know, maybe not Kirschbaum, but they get into the first team currently, so we've got to play them in slightly different positions. So I think, you know, we, we, we know we're short of this Canos player, a guy that can play wide, um, and, and, and that's one area. And then and then we've also got the Woods-McCracken thing in midfield. Midfield, you just you have to get the balance right. Um, and those two playing together, I've said it, people are bored of me saying it, 
um, together there's no balance if you play Yanaris you can kind of you know Yanaris has balance with Woods I didn't think he would but he has done so that's good news um, but it, you know it, it's still obvious really that we're missing the same sort of players and I think Smith's alluded to it he alluded to the wide player um, and, and when I say wide player I'm not talking about a winger I'm talking about a player that gives you wit and has it, has some sort of pace just something a bit different something we don't have at the moment and um, and and also someone to give us the balance in midfield as well. I haven't got really much more to add to what Matt said tac- tactically and sort of technically. I think I think he, he's absolutely spot on. Um, what the two things that I would want to point or bullet point from all that is, and I, this isn't uh, I know best or or, or I actually want to wager with them, but is we are not going to finish in the top six this year, right? I I I. I, I I'm, I'm quite confident and quite comfortable with the fact that we're not. I, we're not going to go down either. Um, but we shouldn't... The other thing I want to say is we shouldn't be playing players out of their preferred or best positions. Um, we, we shouldn't be shoehorning players into the team just because we have to make room for them. If we've got a, if we've got a surplus of uh, central midfielders or de- defensive midfielders, we've got a question why we haven't got those wide players. They, they should have been identified earlier or we should, have brought, we should have been bringing loan players in earlier. We shouldn't be starting with players that are really play, played out in their wide positions but really don't really want to play there. You, know, you, you don't get the best out of players. If, if, if that's the case and if we've got too many of, of the same kind of player you've got to wonder why that is too so you know we, 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 we have we have to be bringing the right players in to play in the right positions we can't just be making do it's all about the money we simply are not in the position of being able to afford some of the crazy money that some of the top 10 clubs that will finish in the championship are paying their players this year and the rumours going around is that if you want to loan a um, a squad player from a championship uh, from a premiership club you're looking at paying a million plus in a loan fee Dean Smith mentioned that in his press conference yeah I mean which is absolutely ridiculous I mean Reading did that with Vidra last year didn't they they paid a million Reading paid 2.5 million to loan Vidra and I think his wages were 10 £10,000 a week plus on top of that they had an option to buy him afterwards but apparently he was absolutely rubbish for them and Bamford to Wigan today for three million I hear hear as well so I mean it shows you what we're up against you know it's and that was uh, it's interesting because that was actually uh, that was Watford's highest amount of money that was paid to them since 2007 which was their record signing they sold a player for 2.5 million and then now last year they got 2.5 million to loan him to someone you know going back to Nick you know that that is spot on it shows you what we're up against where for a loan player you've got to pay almost as much as our record signing but that's where the astuteness of Andy Scott comes in and Andy Scott as our player as a man who knows the lower leagues or should know the lower leagues should know even in non-league there might be might be some another Andre Gray out there you know and Andy Scott has really got to earn some corn over the next few weeks because those are the type of players that 
that we, we are bringing in. We're not going to be bringing in anybody coming down a league. We're going to be bringing in people coming up a league. See, I mean, you talk about that, and I know there's a scenario there is, uh, and because, I mean, I'm just going to say that I mentioned, again, if you read the article, besotted.co.uk, there's an article which I, uh, the Huddersfield report is, and I, and I'll, you know, I, 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 said, I, I said what I was feeling. I woke up on Sunday morning, I got the pen out at 8 o'clock in the morning, bash, I put it down. I mentioned three players on there. I mentioned Tammy Abraham for Bristol City. He played for Bristol City. He was signed for Bristol City from Chelsea on loan. Um, he plays number 10 and also he plays left wing as well. We also talk about Casey Palmer, Huddersfield. He's also a left winger as well. And also Grant Ward, who was a Tottenham player, who was at Rotherham last season, who was their player of the season. But then uh, so he was signed by Ipswich. Tammy Habern scored two goals. Casey Palmer scored a goal this week. Grant Ward came off the bench, scored three goals. Uh, and also we also talk about John Swift as well. We know a lot of people weren't happy about him, but he's played a couple of games for Reading and they're absolutely raving about him. These are four players. I'm asking, are they on our radar? Did we miss them? Somebody has pointed out, of course, they were on our radar, and I'm sure that they were all on our radar. So what is more to the point is that why couldn't we reel them in? Did we not want them? Could we not get them? What is the scenario? I know you're talking about players. I, I could tell you there's one scenario. There was a player that was before, beforehand with us where actually I know there was a... T I'm not going to mention his name, but Premier League player made us actually pay. They wanted us to pay. Because this is also the, pro the problem. Premier League teams try and make us play their players. So you loan them from us, you have to pay them. Brentford, I know, say, no, we're not going to do that. So what they did is they said, right, you pay this player X amount of money, whatever the wage may be, say a grand a week. But the fact is that we struck a deal, so if you don't pay the player, we have to pay them twice the amount of money. So it's actually in our hands whether or not we pay him or not. But if we don't pay him, we actually have to pay his wage twice the amount of money, which is... The fact is that it's putting it into our hands, but rather than have to pay him every week, but I'm just letting you know these are the kind of situations. So I know I've flagged up the fact that why haven't we got these players, but we don't know the deals that are in place. And I'm not excusing it, because at the end of the day, like Grant Ward, you know, I don't know, maybe, I think they maybe he should have come. If he's, that, if he's that good, maybe he should have come to us, but maybe our scouts might have said, actually, he's all right. He ain't really all that. He scored a hat-trick on his first day, but see what he's like over the season. Um, faith, a vague theory. Um... I think we probably have a value, we probably attach a value to everybody, um, and, and I'm guessing we don't exceed that value. So once that value is exceeded by somebody else, we move on to something else. And I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. That seems a half-sensible way to do business, but it's quite risky because you might end up, you know, as, as you get nearer to transfer deadline day, values go up. So you, you, you are even less likely to meet your valuation, say. I don't, I don't know if that's how the business works, but, but that, that, that makes some sense in that. And I think we can see a little bit of that, is that we'll show some interest in somebody and then somebody will come in and play a price that even I think some of us would agree is probably more than we would value the player at. Um, but, of course, you know, the, the risk with that is that you just end up you know, not signing anybody and then do you spend some stupid money yeah. at some point? I don't know. And this is what it comes back to because I'm looking at it and I'm going to come to Lane in a minute because I know he's got a lot to say but it's about finances. What What is the financial situation? You know, what are we able to pay or what are we not able to pay? Because that's very important because at the end of the day is that I also agree that we can't go out and rinsing but at the end of the day we need to be able to be, be able to compete. The other thing is competition. We seem to be under increased competition from teams now. 
probably the fact that we're in the championship we did very well last season so everyone's looking at our move that we do I mentioned that last week but that's very very important because it makes it very 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 difficult for us to make a move which basically is out of the eyes of other people one thing you do know is that when we were over playing over in Europe we were out of the eyes of other people so basically we could almost like do what we wanted to but you come back onto the UK playing field it makes it more difficult also, um, the question I was asking is, have we just decided, what we've done is we've got Pritchard, we've got Canos, we've got all these other players, and have we just made a decision that we don't want to build up other teams' players? So all of a sudden, Tottenham are sending him for £8 million, where they've kind of done nothing with him. Um, Liverpool, you know, oh yeah, let's just send him over to Brentford. He wasn't even really in our side, you know, and the next minute he's £2.5 million. Have we decided we're not going to do that? It's just a question mark that I've asked there as well. Like, but yeah, but whether we do or whether we don't want to do that, we've proved that we can do that. So if we want to bring a lone player in, we shouldn't be struggling for a Premier League player to, to, to give us their starlets on, on trial. Because, you know, we, we've, we've taken, you know, what McKe- we, I would say that Pritchard was in a kind of a McEachern kind of situation where he was at a big club. Um, so we've made, say, say Pritchard was 700, so McEachern we pay 754. If we could have got Pritchard for 750, we we might have been able to do that deal at the time, but by being at Brentford and in, 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 in flourishing at Brentford, we've, we've made him into a six million pound player. Canos, he was on a he was a nominal kind of fee player before he joined us, and now he's he's, he's been signed sold for three. Um, you know, Andre Gray, seven hundred and fifty thousand to, to, to nine million. Um, you know, so we, we can amplify these these um, these values and these 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 the worth of these players. So we shouldn't we shouldn't be struggling for for, for Premiership clubs to lend us their their, their rookies. Well, it's the deals. The, the, it's, it's the deals that they strike. If, they, if they're saying you've got to pay a million pounds or you've got to pay them every day, and we're saying no, we're not going to do that, then what do we do? Well, we, we you know we're not privy to what goes on behind the scenes, but you know we we can we can clearly demonstrate that why a Premiership player would want to give us something, a player with huge potential, because we can not only give him first team experience, we can give him the confidence, we can give him you know the, the credentials to demand 20, 30 times what his actual worth is now. now I'm going to ask you the question, right? If we're going to end up finishing this season in 11th position right or 10th position do we really want to sign Peter Smith from Chelsea right to play on our team and not develop our own players so that we can send him back to Chelsea and he will be worth £6 million at the end of the day and we've got no chance of signing him if we've got a gaping hole in our team and that's the only way that we can fill it with a, a, a player of calibre, then, then yeah, we do. Of course we want to fill it with our statistic, statistical scouting and our directors of football and our head scout. That's the, that's the preferred route. We want them to find players in the lower leagues or the lower leagues of France, Belgium, Albania, Denmark, wherever. That's where, that's where we want them to find our players or how Low or Isleworth or Twickenham, we want we want all of those players to be playing for Brentford. But if we can't find the player that we need, then we have to go to the, um, the lease loan market, and we, we, we get, it, get get it by hook or by crook. And if we we amplify their wages and we amplify their worth, then so be it. Well, I'm going to come back to I'm going to come to Nick in a minute because I know you want to. But the great thing I'm going to say to you is that I'm sitting down there with two heads on. 
first of all, we've got a scenario where Chief Scout and um, not Chief Scout, but Director of Football and 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 and, 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 and our head of um, our manager. I'm just easy. Just our manager says we're going to be top six. Everyone thinks, oh yeah, brilliant. You know, we've got to be all the way up there. So all of a sudden, the heads are already up in that zone. So at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're thinking, who are we going to buy? Or we can see on Twitter, who are we going to buy? Who are we going to get? Who are we going to buy? Who are we going to get? That's that's what they're all that's what they're all about at the moment now. But the fact is that. If we had said we're, if we in our heads we thought we're going to be 15th this season because we're still consolidating, would you pay a little bit more patience to your hold acts and to your clubs and to whoever else is coming through? Because at the end of the day, you see that these players are going to be part of your future. I've got to say, I've got to say, let's not use that top six quote as a noose for our club. They said it because they, they, if they said we were happy with just survival, there would have been meltdown. They had to say something, and let please, let's just not bring this up every five minutes throughout the season that they said top six, so anything other than top six is failure, because all we're going to do is go back to the dark recesses of last season, and anything and everything is a weapon to be used as a divisive tool. It doesn't do anyone any good if they maybe they shouldn't have said it but because they did say it let's not crucify them for it let's not crucify I'm just throwing I'm just throwing it into the I'm just throwing it in the pot there are two solutions to this problem neither of which are going to work uh, neither of which are going to work this year okay one is that clubs all clubs are restricted in the number of players they can have on their books so you can have a maximum say of 30 players on your on your books that means that the talent therefore gets spread around better around the leagues and this includes premiership clubs by the way and the second one and the one I've talked about this before is that actually you have a salary cap you introduce a salary cap very socialist principle it's not going to work I mean, I'd love that personally. People are not. People are shaking their heads around the table. No, no, I'm not shaking my heads. No, I feel. I feel. I love it. America. It works in America. It works in the National Football League, which is the most expensive and, and high-paying league in the world. Where actually each club is told this is how much you have to spend on players. I mean, and work it out. Work it out yourself. And where where they're restricted to a roster only of I think I think I think if I'm right, American football National Football League clubs in America can start the season with a roster of 53 players. I think it is, and they have a salary cut to do it. Or, but that's the first solution, salary cut. And the other one, which is what, which is none of us, I don't think, are going to like, is that we look for additional investment in the club. And there, you have to be careful what you wish for, you know, because we, Brentford, I would suggest to you, is probably an attractive proposition given where we're located, the move into the new stadium, or ever. If I were a Chinese businessman, I'm sure there are Chinese businessmen, probably Indian businessmen. Investors from overseas sniffing around. Matthew Benham might eventually be pushed. And yeah, yeah, but again, again, this is this is a this is another whole new podcast, and it and it depends on you know it depends on. It's interesting because if you wait, if you hear the way that fans are talking at the moment now, basically they, they they'll be crying out for additional investment because at the end of the day we cannot afford to pay Forestieri thirty thirty thousand pound a week. Do I really want to pay a player like Forestieri and like thirty thousand grand a week or thirty five? grand a week for a team that finishes two, three, four places higher than us. At the end of the day, I would actually rather develop the ways that we do it and stick with it and actually kind of get better in it than actually start throwing money at it. So I understand what you're saying. Also, the additional investment thing is kind of like, you know, I, I would hate if somebody 
from a shake from wherever it was to take over our team because we'd lose a soul. If somebody was to work in partnership with Benham, um, maybe, but you know, and to throw money into it, but we'd still have full control, and maybe, but that actually still makes me a little bit nervous because you know, at some stage, they're going to sit down there and they're going to want to push the button to say, right, you know, we don't like this, we do like that, let's sell this. I, you don't know what the scenario is, so I understand what you're saying, but and this is what I'm trying to say to people where maybe they need to sort of kind of everyone needs to level their expectations. I mean, I said, uh, me and I think it was Jim Levette, we turned around, we said, Jim Levette said top four, I think. I said top six. All you lot are at like top 10, 12, 14, 16. I was actually going a little bit mental, right? Thinking, you know, brilliant. And I'm sitting down there thinking that that was really great, but at the end of the day, are we really in a position to do that? And do we still need to kind of like sort of, and everyone just tack back a little bit? I just, he, Nick said, you know, it's just a phrase, careful what you wish for. And for us to go to the level which some people seem to be expecting, it does mean you are going to sell some of the soul of the club. Um, some, something's got to give. And if, 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 you're, if we are paying 30,000, pounds a week when you've got a stadium and a, and a, and a turnover that you know, we're, one week, we, we're, we're going to get transfer embargoes anyway because you know, we, we can't do that, we, we aren't generating the amount of money that allows us to pay that full stop, you know, so you know, and ev- everything comes at a cost and, and you know and today on, 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 the, on, um, on Twitter someone said I've, I've, never, I've, never, I've never been at the start of a season where I felt so, uh, uh, you know I felt so low, you know and I thought, Jesus Christ you know, we, we, we've we've been you know in the last four seasons we've we've lost at Wembley in the playoffs, which was a bummer. We then we got promoted, then we finished fifth, then we finished ninth in the championship. You know, stuff that dreams are made of. And, he, and then he's sitting there in a dark corner crying that you know he's never felt so low. And and I'm, I'm like, really? Do, do, do fans really think that 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 this is this is this is a dark, this is a low point in our history? So listen, so. We try and, like I said to you, try and balance things up. We're not like on a whinge or a moan because this, we're throwing the points up, but what we now want to do is that we're thinking, listen, solution makers here. We're in a situation here where, like we said to you, there's finances, uh, maybe a, a scenario, competition from other teams may be a scenario. There may be a way that we may have flipped the script on how we sign our players. So the question I'm saying is that do we as Brentford, because we're ahead of the game. When we're in Division 1, we're ahead of the game. You know, we, we did the loan deals and then we signed them and we were finding players from all sorts of left-field places and no one bothered with us and we were like flying ahead now. But now everyone knows that we're a team to watch, so they're watching our every move. So the question I'm asking you... Do Brentford again have to flip the script to ensure that we are one step ahead and we can start pulling these players in? And I'm looking at maybe solutions like, like, say for example, I'm asking, do we have to start looking at Europe again, right? Do we go over to Europe and have a little look over there? Because um, at the end of the day, we've done the, the UK thing and we might have to go over to Europe and find a left field player over in Albania or whatever like that who might be the creative player that works for us like Jota did and now what we've done is that we've learned from having the balance or what we do is that maybe we might have to start cutting a deal with other clubs is it a Premier League club or a lower league club or a European club so that we can get their players in and then maybe we just do a creative deal with them or is it about the B team 
is it about the B team? We start bringing these B team and we say, listen, we're concentrating and we're going to be signing all these players who might almost be quite good enough and we bring the B team players through. Or, like I said to you, because he's cutting edge. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all about thinking on the edge now. Everyone always says, oh, this is all running at it. Forget that, man. We need to be thinking out the box a little bit now and how will Brentford think out the box, Matt? How about, how about this? How about balance of all of it? Because... What we did a year ago was we signed a load of players on statistics, most of them in from Europe. And, um, and we all know that, you know, I think we can all say that, you know, a number of them struggled. A couple of them looked like they were great buys and, 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 and whatever. And then this year, we've decided, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to drop down a league and get some players from that league. And that's all we've done this summer. Um, and then maybe, you know, we threw a load of eggs into the into the basket of, of trying to get players to come through... Um, a youth system that we obviously chucked out now my feeling is that you know it, it, it does seem a bit all of one or another thing in the last couple of years and and we should be sort of trying to do probably trying to do all of it and maybe you do need I don't know maybe there's an argument that says you specialise in doing one thing or the other thing but I'm a bit I, I am a little bit surprised we haven't picked up a couple of players from Europe I know I know the I know there's an argument about the pound euro rate and probably that you know that makes it a little bit more expensive but, but I'm a little bit surprised we haven't done a bit of both this summer um, and it's almost as if there's been a reaction to what was perceived to not be 100% successful last summer but had its successes um, and we suddenly have closed it, it feels like we closed that door and we're going to try something else and then if this doesn't work then are we going to close that you, you know maybe it's just about a bit of doing a bit of everything and trying to you know and being good at all of it well, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see the the foreign the foreign legion that arrived last year as being a complete failure. You know, you, you look at, you know, it was perceived that way, and there was a lot of people screaming from the from the from the hilltop saying, "Oh, what we, we need is British British beef." But you know, Barbay success, Colin, uh, international quality. What a what a player. Well, both of them international quality. The, um, KK, KK um, jury's out probably. Vbay, um, great 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 forward player. Um, so so Gogia, he's gone out on loan to Dynamo Dreadful, and and, and he's German club. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's on about fifty beer a week, so yeah, it, it was a trial. Might, yeah, and. and we we might earn, earn some money out of him, so it wasn't it wasn't a mitigating disaster for God's sake. You know, they won't, may not have all been as successful as we hoped they would be, but we've got some there, there's some international players there and players that will keep us in the championship. Yeah, we didn't pay 2.5 to loan Vidra and pay him 10 grand a week, no, did we? But, but we, we also haven't seen Bielend, who is our record record signing of two point whatever million euros, whatever the exchange rate is, I don't know. Um, but you know. There's a there's a big old investment there that we we don't even know the the worth of at the moment. So look, talking we talk about players a lot, but look, I think there's a good little conversation here. Like I said, check out the besotted.co.uk or look on the description of this. I'll put the article up there as well. But there's lots of points here. Again, we're not being negative. What we're trying to do is give a balanced point of view, and we're looking at both sides of the question. And hopefully, you'll also be able to take this to your mates, sit down and chat about this in the pub on Saturday against Ipswich because there's a lot of very important points here I think and it's and also the one thing I also say is that we're not pointing fingers at people it's not about staff a person
personnel. People find it very easy to point a finger at people, ah, it's a director of football for or anything like that. To me, actually, I haven't really got a problem with the finding of the players. The issue that I have is actually the pulling in and doing the deals. And that's not necessarily down to people. It's down to the restrictions that you have. And I think you have to be more creative to make sure that we can wangle out of that because we've almost become a victim of our own success. Anyway, we're going to move forward now. And we're going to talk about other things, Brentford. Hang the BJ. This is a new musical little section we have, just to flip things up a little bit. We a person, someone related to Brentford, who gives us a little bit of background about themselves and names a tune which really reminds them of Brentford FC. Today, we've got XB and proper legend Carl Hutchins in Hang the BJ. My name is, my name is Cooker Carl Hutchings. <laughs> I played for Brentford Football Club in 1993 when I was 18 years old. And I played until I was, I don't know, I think I got sold in 1999. Well, hey. I must say though, my time at Brentford was the best time I had in my football career. There was nothing better than hanging out with the lads, Jamie Bates, Paul Smith, Barry Asby, Gus Hurdle, Carla Saba, Nicky Foster, Bobby Taylor. There's only one Bobby Taylor, Bobby Taylor, Bobby Taylor. And how can I forget? The one Ida Anderson running down the left wing. Ida Anderson's going to get ya. <laughs> Since retiring from professional football, I've gone on to own, um, I bought some nightclubs, I bought a restaurant down in Wardour Street. That was many years ago. I had some great fun there. Don't advise anyone to do it though because it's not great for the bank balance. Um, I now run a property company, have done for the last eight years elite property investments and uh, we buy and develop and sell properties so that's been very successful and I enjoy doing that every day now that's my my day job I run that company so look out we might be developing a property near you my funniest Brentford moment I've got to say from the moment I walked into Brentford at the age of 15 until the day I left I, can't, I think I laughed probably 80% of the time so I had some amazing times with all the lads um, one moment that sticks out was when we was all on a beach in Ayanapa and there was an, it was an end of season and the Newcastle team Philip Albert and all them boys were on the same beach at another at one of the bars we was at one of the bars and the Birmingham City boys were at a bar and we were just passing around shots to each other all day from 12 o'clock in the afternoon we'd buy Newcastle a drink then they'd send over and the waitress would come over with 24 shots for Birmingham and then Birmingham would send over 24 shots for us and it just kept going round and round all day so as you can imagine by the end of that day there was Philip Albert dancing up and down the beach in the nude and all the Brentford boys jumping around and singing and laughing so like I said loads and loads of amazing times at the, at, at the Bees 
the player that I rated the most um, down at Brentford well that's um, tough choice really because we had some some quality players we had players like you know Barry Aspie who I, I love playing at the back with um, we had obviously Marcus Bent up front we had Carlos Sava but I think uh, the player that stands out the most for me probably is Bobby Taylor and that's because um, Bobby was a, a really funny character in training he'd hardly do anything you wouldn't even know he was out there he'd go and stand out on the wing and just hardly join in and in the minute the match come he absolutely loved it left foot right foot didn't matter he could bend the ball in from 30 yards on the side foot so fantastic talent and um, fantastic lad as well I've got a couple of memorable Brentford moments. I would say probably um, one of them, my first, my first moment, probably the largest uh, moment would probably have been Wembley, although we lost um, against Crewe. Um, obviously, what a great occasion walking out to you know, 45,000 fans and walking out the, the, the great Twin Towers. So from a, uh, a memorable point of view, that was probably one of my biggest days in football. So um, that stands out. I've also got an amazing mem um, uh, memory when uh, I remember I was only an apprentice. I think I was 17 years old, hadn't hadn't went in signed yet as a um, as a player, and we just got promoted to the championship with uh, Shane Wesley and Terry Evans were all at the club uh, away at Peterborough, and I was in the fans. I was with the fans jumping up and down in uh, at Peterborough away, and I remember getting on the coach and coming back to the ground. And the manager, Phil Holder at the time, called me up. He saw me down on the pitch with all the fans and called me up. And I jumped and pulled me up over the uh, over over all the stands, um, up into the area with the first team. And I was allowed to go back, um, back in the players' area and kind of see the trophy and hang out with the first team. And that was a great experience at 17 years old. That's when I knew that I wanted to be a professional football player and play for Brentford. tune that probably most reminds me of Brentford as well is also the same tune that was playing at that um, at that occasion I remember on, on, on when all the fans were on the pitch and they were playing out We Are The Champions uh, by Queen and it was just bellowing over and over and over again whenever I hear that tune wherever I am in the world it takes me back to that moment when Brentford got promoted um, I think it was 1991 um, when Brentford got promoted in 1991 to the Championship, we are, we are the Champions was played all over Griffin Park. Well, that's me, Carl Hutchings. I hope you enjoyed the little snap of um of, of information by the way if any of you guys want to uh want to want to catch me you can uh catch me at ah oh, that's billy the bee right now calling me see billy the bee big you up man i know you're gonna put this on out and send it out to all of the the guys so you can they'll be listening in yeah bill yeah, yeah, I'm doing it right now as we speak, man. You're, you're live on my thing, man. You're just, inter you're just interrupting my shit, man. <laughs> as I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted by the man Billy the Bee. You can hook me up. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Twitter. Just follow me at Carl Hutchings UK. 
And um, I'll be down at the Bees, I'll be down at Griffin Park supporting the boys, uh, taking my kids down there. We go down there um, every now and then throughout the season, catch up on what's going on, catch up with Billy the Bee and all the guys from the fanzines. So big you up, all the supporters, and up the Bees, let's go. 2016-17 season, it's going to be a big one, make it happen. And my old mucker is now the manager down there. He used to play centre-half with me old mucker, so good luck to the boys. So I look forward to seeing you all soon. Up the bees, let's go. Come on, you bees. Wanky free kicks. <laughs> what are wanky free kicks? Well, if anyone saw the game at Huddersfield and also the game at Exeter, we were probably a little bit embarrassed. And also the game at Reading last season as well, um, when we had the Christmas tree formation, where we kind of uh, we sort of formed like a Christmas tree and did a free kick which went up to the stands. We seem to have this knack of doing these free kicks which don't go down too well with the opposition. They don't look particularly well, and they never, never, never succeed to actually go anywhere near the net. So like I said, we did it at Huddersfield, we did it at Exeter, where two people stood in front of the goalkeeper, and they sort of ran in front of him, and there was kind of three people in front of the goalkeeper, actually, and the Exeter fans weren't happy at all, the Huddersfield fans weren't happy at all, the free kick obviously went nowhere near the goal, and we got absolute dogs abuse from the away team. So the question I'm saying is, but the thing is that, obviously, the Brentford team think that this free kick is really good. It's almost like Emperor's New Clothes, they're going, ah, we've got this really good free kick formation, and it's rubbish. So the question we're going to go around the table and ask, like I'm saying, is that has there ever been a moment, guys, where you wore did something that was absolutely you thought was brilliant, but then what you did is that you went out there and you got absolutely coated by characters out there because it in reality was really, really rubbish. The Allard. Um, yeah. So. Um Right, so Vic, Vic Rees, big night out. Um, man with the stick. Yeah, what's on the end of the stick, Vic? I don't know if anyone remembers that. If you don't Google it. So got this big white, you know, made this big sort of mask thing sticking up and everything. Had a stick with something on it. It was fancy dress at the, at the retail outlet I worked in in those days. Christmas fancy dress or something. Thought I looked brilliant. Turned up. Everything. <clears throat> Very early in the day, somebody came in and said, Oh, Klu Klux Klan, very good. Oh no! Oh shit! Um, I think I was a little bit ahead of. I think I was a little bit ahead of myself, assuming people were watching Vic Rees' Big Night Out in those days. <laughs> that came off very quickly. Should, should, should be should be on the other fanzine, to be honest. Oh, listen, lady. Um, for me, um, well, someone that thought they looked great and, and didn't was you during the whole of Euro 2016 with your hat. Uh, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. The, the tingle in your head. <laughs> I was only copying Sochi, wasn't I? Well, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a shit Sam Sochi. <laughs> so, no, 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 apart, apart from that, talking of you still, um, 
in golf are besotted. Um, that instead, that Hummel, that Hummel kit, the Hummel goalkeeper's top, the honeycomb multicolored thing, that was pri- properly, properly awful. It looked like someone had chucked all over you. Uh, that, I thought it was a lovely top, and it complimented my my my, my, my skin tone. It did complement that, yeah. It was a, the Pantone references did complement each other very, very well. Um, yeah, for, for me, though, um, the, the thing that I thought I, I bought, I actually bought it before a Brentford game. I went up the King's Road one day, and I went to... Uh, uh, people of a certain age will remember Fiorucci, which was a shop on the King's Road, and it was, it was kind of like Stone Island of its day, I guess, but it wasn't without the, without the sort of thuggery undertones. Um, and I bought this... Yellow, bright yellow jacket, and I thought I look. I thought I looked the absolute dogs in it, and um, I, I, I came straight to Brentford from the Kings Road to Brentford in it, and I caught it on a car aerial outside the uh, outside the Royal Oak, and I ripped the whole sleeve up, and uh, my brand new jacket looked like it had just been through the mincer. <laughs> <laughs> the liberal. Worst one for me was a job interview, going for a job with a creative ad agency who were, this was 25 years ago, who were hip and trendy, and you know, you looked at their uh, cuttings in magazines and they're all dressed up in very sort of cool, smart clothes, so I thought this was uh, the bee's knees, so I bought myself a special bomber jacket, some jeans, some white baseball boots, walked in for this interview thinking, you know, I look the absolute bee's his knees was taken in to the boardroom sat down and there they were all were wearing three-piece expensive suits they looked me up and down interview lasted about five minutes and that was it i was on my way out never got well they said he's too liberal for us to be fair and for me it's funny you should talk about the hats actually and i do remember actually maybe maybe i should reassess the hat scenario i remember in the 98 world cup actually i also had a different hat i do almost like i wear a different hat for every world cup and i I had a 98 World Cup in France and I wore this little sort of pork pie type hat thing which I was very happy with. Shot lots of videos as well so it's probably out there somewhere and I shot this video with me you know the whole time and uh, I went on a coach, there's 50 of us, um, I used to live in Jamaica so um, I am qualified to also go and follow Jamaica as well as other teams like England, uh, my parents are Jamaican and I lived there for, went to school there so anyway, took a 50 year. Uh, yeah, they're my wife's Irish as well, but we don't talk about that. So anyway, 50 of us, Jamaica posse, went out there, brilliant. Run punch on the coach, took the coach over, over to, to Lons and to Lille. And uh, I, I even took my, 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 my records and I DJed out there at a party. It was absolutely brilliant. And I was there with my little hat and up and down, sort of talking into camera and stuff like that. One of my mates who's on the coach, he's a, he's a big sort of um, record producer now and he looks after one of the biggest producers in the, in the States side and stuff like that. He, you know, he knows his thing. He showed the video to his old man of us over in Lons, Jamaican, and he looked at him and goes, Yeah, man, you know that boy with the pork pie hat? Didn't anyone tell him that hat don't suit him at all? <laughs> and he, he came up to me and said, My dad, my dad tell me that I don't suit you, Bill. You know, it was like the most embarrassing thing. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, but according to the original pork pie man, original sort of 50s, 60s man, pork pie hat didn't suit me. So I'm going to have to go to hat, 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 
Hatman after the next World Cup to make sure that on the next hat that I'll go to suits me. Hatman do indeed, yeah. Anyway, that was a quick file section for wanky free kicks. Next time you think about wanky free kicks, think about my hat and also Laney's yellow jacket. And my satin bomber jacket. That's right. Satin bomber jacket. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't even get to my Seamod trainers. No. So Saturday comes, when Saturday comes, which is obviously on Saturday, and the Bees are playing Ipswich. First home game of the season. Fans are getting excited for that. Football is back at Griffin Park. Ipswich are back at Griffin Park. The last time they also shared the first home game of the season. 2-0 up, 90 minutes to go, and the Bees came back 2-all. And they pulled that back, and Ipswich were crying on the telly. Well, it wasn't on the telly. I've got the man Harry in the corner over there. He's not actually in Ipswich, he's in Bath, to confuse people even more. Harry, how are you doing? How are you doing, Billy? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well, Harry. And I know you are the confident Harry because we did the pre-season chat with you. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm going to ask you, you're involved in now the Besotted Quick Fire Five. I'm going to ask you five quick fire questions. You've got to answer me quickly, Harry, what the story okay. is. So you guys start okay. the season on the front foot with a 4-2 win over Barnsley. Are you in course for the fourth position you predicted in our pre-season preview? Quietly confident. Very quietly confident. Um, Barnsley game, we had a very good win after a very poor first half. Um, the two substitutes who may well come off the bench on Saturday, Grant Ward and Conor Grant, added tempo and they committed Barnsley defenders. They kind of raised the level of our creative play and interestingly, be, it looks like there's a good understanding with Daryl Murphy. Um, our pre-season was as unglamorous as our opponents. Um, our most exotic team was Royal Union Saint-Gilois from the Belgian Second Division, but um, we're quietly confident that the things are beginning to take shape for the coming season. Interesting, that. And you talked about the Grant Ward, because I'm going to say that you signed him for 500 grand. He scored a hat-trick within half an hour coming off the bench. Is that you sorted for the season player-wise, then? Um, Probably one or two additions, I think. Ward adds stardust, which is something we have lacked under McCarthy, Mick McCarthy. And we had Johnny Williams a few years ago, and last year we, we had Ryan Fraser, the really nippy guy on loan from Bournemouth, the winger. Um, Ward gets people off their feet and is not afraid to have a crack at goal. And you could see everybody else being elevated in their thinking when he was playing. We're happy with the squad. Um, we've got a chap Webster in, lovely right-footed, cultured centre-back from, from Portsmouth, which has balanced the defence. And I think the only strengthening would be possibly maybe one or two more wide men to ensure against them blowing hot and cold, which that, that's, that's about as far as it goes. But we're happy we've got balance across the squad and we've got enough strength in depth, we think. Ah, interesting. And wide men, I'm, I'm thinking you'll be battling with us for the wide men there, Harry, because as you probably heard, Brentford are battling for wide men, as you can see. But I'm going to ask you a question. Yep. Our ex-player, Jonathan Douglas, you, Harry, in the pre-season preview, which is on besotted.co.uk, and you, you had a review, a great review that you did, but you did not give Jonathan Douglas the best review in your pre-season review. What has he done to you? Where would I come with, with, with Dougie? Um, he's committed, he's wholehearted, but there were no fanfares when you triggered the contract extension in April. Um, he was capable last year of some what I would call unthinking moments in games. Just before half-time at Birmingham, he put in, it wasn't a malicious challenge, it was a careless challenge, which got him sent off, and it changed the course of the game. And in our game at Portman Road against, against Brentford, against your, your team, there was one particularly weary pass he made from a set piece, which gave you a counter-attack, and you scored from it. 
Um, I think Mick loves him because he's a strong character, he's feisty, and I think Mick sees a little bit of himself in him. But many of us feel he's lost a yard, and certainly in pre-season and in the midweek game against Stevenage um, in the EFL Cup, he, 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 we felt he wasn't up to the pace of the game. So, I mean, you're not happy with Bucky, but he won't come around your house because he doesn't know where you live. He just knows you live in Barstow. <laughs> but, but listen, anyway, this is the first time that Ipswich and Brentford have met since yeah. Luke Hyam broke yeah. Alan Judge's leg. Now, yeah. ironically, that seemed to galvanise our team, actually. I mean, we're not, we're not, condo- not condoning it. Actually, it was a very, very terrible injury. Not condoning it, but it galvanised our team. We've won practically every single game for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering, first of all, is that do you think this match will be a bit fiery and who has Mick McCarthy targeted for assassination this match? <laughs> no, I've been reading some of the Brentford comments doing my, researching my blog and phrases like Kevlar have come up. Um, I think from an Ipswich perspective, we look back on that game as a very, it was an ill-fated account, encounter in which nothing went right. Um, and it's really strange, Billy, because most towns I've spoken to, and I don't mean the one-eyed nutters, actually saw the foul as a kind of an unfortunate accident rather than a malicious one. Haim had been out for a long time. It was his first game back, and he was overzealous. That's, that's, and that's what I'm hearing from a lot of town fans. As I say, these are the, the fans who aren't, you know, as I say, they're not the fanatics. But with equal weight... I'm aware of the strength of feeling there is with Brentford. I think it was just one of those things. It was an awful, it was just an awful car crash moment in a game of football. And um, many Ipswich fans felt that, particularly Woods, um, later in the game, his challenge, which got Haim sent off, that possibly had a little bit more of a guilty mind to it than Haim. Okay, so this match, what do you reckon, Harry? Tell me what's the score. That's the background. Um, uh, yes, so what was I going to say? Uh, yes. Simply 2-1 to town. I think the first half will be dull, um, but it could come to life after the break. Plan B would be a desperate nil-all, um, where neither team can land a blow on each other. But my instinct would be a 2-1 town win. Okay, 2-1 to town. And listen, I'm going to cheat a little bit, Harry, because we've been asking ourselves this question as well. But this refers to our wanky free kick that we took against Huddersfield and Exeter, which you may yes, or may not have seen. Which I have seen on video. Okay, so, so I'm going to ask you, has there any, been any time in your life where you've often worn or done something that you thought was absolutely brilliant, uh, but you've got absolutely coated because it was actually quite rubbish? <laughs> there is one thing. Um, it was, oh God, it was um, early 1980s. I was in my early 20s. And I bought what I thought was a lovely green tweed suit. And I thought it was the absolute business. It just thought I looked really good and it was fantastic. And there was a group of us in Dublin who used to meet up for a beer in a pub called the Silver Tassie. And so I strolled into the Silver Tassie thinking, you know, here we go, you know, Travolta, big entry. And I turned up and basically my mates were weeping with laughter. Two of them were banging their heads against the table and a couple of them just couldn't, couldn't speak to me all night. Every time they'd look, come to look up at me to speak, their eyes, the, the, their eyes would water and they'd just start laughing. And um, <laughs> I swear it was a lovely suit, Billy. Green tweed, you would not get better. You would not get better. But um, it, was, um, it was humiliating, let's just Excellent. Say. Listen, I'll tell you something. That's a sight for sore eyes, I'm sure. And Harry, <laughs> I know we're going to be meeting you for a drink. We've told you guys you're invited to come down to the Globe, which is our pub that we're drinking before the game. Greatly looking Google forward it, to it. You find that wicked little thing. But what I need you to do, you need to be reading that, wearing that green tweed suit to the Globe on Saturday. And if you do that, we'll buy you beers all afternoon. 
I'm not sure I'd fit in it now, Billy. <laughs> uh, listen, Harry, it's been wicked talking to you, mate, and I You're hope you get your prediction wrong, and we will talk on Monday, and I'll tell you how wrong you are. Fair enough. Look forward to hearing from you. That's nice Okay, take care, mate. Absolute pleasure. Cheers, Billy. Cheers. Ipswich Town are coming to town, to Griffin Park. Hopefully they'll enjoy their day out, but not too much, because we need three points on the table. Interestingly, because I know Harry's given us his view, and Harry's so optimistic, like I said to you in the Besotted pre-season previews, you can check it on besotted.co.uk, he predicted Ipswich was going to finish fourth, but I spoke to another one of my Ipswich mates, also Harry reckoned he's going to win 2-1, and I spoke to another Ipswich mate, he said, actually, we weren't that good last week, we weren't that good, and you know, Grant Ward came off the bench and he scored three goals, but that papered over a lot of cracks. And he actually didn't believe that they'll get a result on Saturday, which I thought was quite promising. But of course, it's going to be up to Brentford to actually turn up the notches a few gears. So, boys, around the table, we've heard what Harry's had to say. We've seen the previews. We know a lot that's going on. We've talked about that. Matt Allard, what do you reckon is going to go down on Saturday? Okay, part... I think probably Ipswich are about the worst side we could play on Saturday. Um, I think what we need to happen is we need a side that will sit off us a little bit, give us an opportunity to start playing our own game, get a bit of confidence on the ball, see the ball for a bit, and um, and get playing you know good football again. I've, that's the last thing Ipswich do in the first five ten minutes of a football match. They basically come at you like you know everything depends on it, and um, you know I, th- I guess they're fed raw meat or whatever, and Mick fires them up before they head out and, and they charge around in the first 10 minutes as we've seen to our detriment before um, so uh, probably the worst team I think we could play on, on um, Saturday if it's time for scores now um, I will say 2-0 um, Ipswich The Liberal Every right-minded Brentford fan will be disappointed that Luke Hyam is apparently not playing on Saturday. I was looking forward to uh, getting my vocal cords into uh, ranting mode and uh, encouraging, um, uh, trying to put Mr Hyam off his game and ruin his season in the same way that he ruined our season last uh, when we last met them in April, was it, or March? I can't remember when that awful injury to Alan Judge took place. Um, so Ipswich, they were a bunch of cloggers. Um, they were a classic Mick McCarthy team. I fear that we'll be in for a battle on Saturday. I'm not certain we're up for the battle at the moment. Therefore, my prediction is a 2-1 loss. Interesting. Um, first, ter- first time this, this term has appeared on the podcast. I know, I know some, some women wear big pants. Um, but if I was a Brentford player, I would wear big shin pads on, on, on Saturday um, because um, you know what Mick McCarthy will do. He's going he's gonna to feed them. Like, they're going to be like piranhas coming out as. And um, Judgey, poor old, poor old Alan Judge, he's, he, he is paying a price still for what Mick McCarthy did back at, back at Portman Road. Um, and Mick McCarthy won't leopards don't change their spots Mick McCarthy sets his team up one way and that one way as Matt alluded to is to go out there and set your stall out early doors as um, Glenn Hoddle would say um, so I, I'm, not, I'm not hopeful Saturday I, 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 I don't you know I agree they're not the right team to be playing at the moment and I, I can't see us winning and I, I, I've got us down for a defeat as well, Bill. I'm sorry, mate. I know it's not very loyal, but I've won, 
2-1 Ipswich. We've got a, got a couple of defeats here and a, you know, a couple of sorts in the fence. And for me, I'm thinking that, listen, we've had a couple of kicks up the arses this, you know, on Saturday and on Tuesday. We had a couple of kicks up the arses. We need to flip the script. Also, Ipswich... I know they had a great result last week and uh, in the midweek they didn't do very well but they haven't been playing great football. I think it's time for the Bees back at home to actually get back on track. So I think it ain't going to be a big game but we're going to beat those Ipswich boys 1-0 on Saturday. I'm thoroughly confident we're going to do that. You Bees. Anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London concert. Oh, concert. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Good evening as well here. I've got to say respect to... The Wellington and Waterloo, they take care of us really well. If you're in Waterloo, just come down here, have a couple of drinks after work. You can get the train down to West London, wherever you have to go. But, yeah, respect to the, the Wellington and Waterloo. Thank you very much for your hospitality. Oh, oh, hold on a minute now, Bill. You, we, we can't finish this podcast without mentioning the most important thing that has actually happened this week. Half, what was the most important thing? Well, I think you well know, young man. Half-time down at St James's Park, Harry Potter came skipping past us. Who's Harry Potter? Harry Potter, as you well know, is a very well-known Brentford fan. Anyone that travels away with Brentford will know who Harry Potter is. And Huddersfield fans as well. And Huddersfield fans as well. But he came past us dressed very oddly, very inappropriately, Bill. He was dressed in what could only be described as the really been chuck out of all of the Brentford club shop rejects for the last 30 years. He got dressed, he was a full kit wanker, but full kit wanker from from basically one item from every decade for the past four, 40 years. And, and so, 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 so what, his socks were from the, what, the eight, 70s? I think he had Hummel socks, Spowl shorts, Oscar top, Hummel jacket, Adidas pants, and maybe a Lonsdale something else. <laughs> But Dave, you missed out. He was wear- obviously wearing one of Billy's hats as well. That was the other thing. Listen, but I'll, I'll school him on the port by hat, but somebody else maybe need to school him on the, on the on the dressing. Maybe within one particular decade, maybe better. But Harry, we love the Harry Potter. He's a good character, and uh, it was a bit of a moment. And he did have a, give us a bit of a chuckle at the time, and he did laugh at us. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't think he really cares. But anyway, this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We are going to have a right good drink up on Saturday because we have not a drink up at home for a right while. The, you know, the Germans came down a few weeks ago. We weren't here, and apparently they caused all sorts of malarkey in the globe. So we'll be there on Saturday having a good drink up. Ipswich fans, you come down. You have a laugh in Brentford. You go to all the pubs. You have a laugh. You can meet us wherever you can do, but hopefully you'll go back with no points. We will uh, we'll do what we have to do. Listen, you can check us out, besotted.co.uk. All our articles up there. Harry's article with all the other bloggers. 24 bloggers have put their articles up in besotted.co.uk saying they're going to do. Also, Audio Boom uh, Besotted. So it's uh, audioboom.com. Channel is Besotted. Check us out with all our podcasts there. And also, Besotted 1992 is our podcast. I want to say thank you very much for listening to us. Could you please subscribe to us on iTunes, on Audio Boom? And also, if you can do as well, just give us a little review. 
because it'd be nice because when you go to the reviews then it goes up in some sort of list and people like us even more anyway we're going to say that Brentford are going to play on Saturday and we are in the pub in Waterloo with loads of city people who are sitting down there having a drink but we do not care because we are going to tell them exactly who the team that we support because the team as we say is Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.